Forget about that last show. This is the most important podcast you've ever listened to. Household Hazardous Waste on EnviroPod. Welcome to the podcast that discusses everything environment within Fairfax County and how the dedicated people from our Department of Public Works and Environmental Services keep on doing what they do to help our residents and our environment. I'm Scott Coco. Like many residents in the county, we can all get it confused on what to pour down the drain, throw in the trash, recycle, or just keep in the garage until the next owner moves in. Today we're going to talk about how to dispose of the many hazardous items from our homes that we need to get rid of in a proper manner and why it's so important. Today I have with me Dan Brooks from DPWES I-66 Transfer Station Complex to discuss the household hazardous waste disposal program. All right, Dan, say that 10 times really fast. <laughs> I, I would love to, but we probably have a, a limited time with our podcast, so I want to make sure the viewers get the more important stuff. Okay, Dan, uh, thanks for joining me. Welcome to the show. Tell me a little bit about yeah, what you, you do. Thank you for having me. Tell me a little bit about what you do. A uh, little bit of everything, uh, to, to be quite frank, but uh, my job is that I oversee all of the transfer station operations, including a big component of that is household hazardous waste and electronics recycling. Okay, that's cool. Um, I know I just moved last year and just I brought a whole ton of stuff to that uh, to your transfer station. So tell me about what is household hazardous waste. So uh, simply put, household hazardous waste is the discarding uh, of items that you have at your home via chemicals, uh, potential things like pesticides, herbicides, insecticides, could be pool chemicals, paint, you know, household cleaners, aerosols, all those different complexities, batteries, fluorescent bulbs that you need to properly dispose of because otherwise if they get into the waste stream, they're going to cause a problem. Right. And so we don't want people just throwing it in the in the garbage. Exactly. Yeah, we absolutely don't. Because then it goes want and that. sits in the landfill and Yeah, it absolutely um it can make its way to a landfill, it could get into the groundwater, you know, it'll make its way back in a way that we don't want to be exposed to. So it's really important that we keep that out of the waste stream, we get it into the right areas so that we can properly reclimate it, you know, via recycle it, um incinerate it, treat it. We want to get it to the right spot. Excellent. What are some of the things that uh, people have the most questions about, about how they, what they bring in? Uh, one of the big ones, uh, most common is probably latex paint uh, or paint in general, um, whether that's latex paint, oil-based paint, lead-based paint, um, and then what they can do with it. Um, we actually have a program, Habitat for Humanity, that right. we partner with. So there are select restores throughout the state. There's about eight statewide uh, that partner with us directly because not all restores take latex paint. So we make it a one-stop drop. So you can not only do the right thing, drop all your various different household hazardous waste off, but we then segregate through those, get them to the right place, because our number one thing is we want to be able to repurpose or reuse those items, and latex paint is a big, por uh, a big part of that. And so we partner with them, and, and we're able to get that back. And uh, we've actually, one of our restores has turned into the fourth largest redistribution of latex paint in the country. Okay, so um, 
I'm painting my dining room, painting my kitchen, and I've got a whole lot of paint left over. I've got some cans that are about 90%, some down there that are about, I don't know, 10% in it, mm-hmm. um, uh, some that's old and has congealed a little bit. What what do what can I bring, and what do you suggest, and how I then get rid of this paint? So you can bring all of your latex paint or any other type of paint, for that matter, to one of our two permanent household hazardous waste collection fils, uh, facilities. We have one at the I-66 transfer station, one at the I-95 landfill the complex. Norton, right. Right. But if you have like full or near full cans, kind of about 80% or more, we ask you to kind of segregate those. Let us know because we're going to donate those to Habitat to those participating restores. Okay. The stuff that's less than that, um, what we do is, is we ask you to try to uh, solidify that, use a little bit of kitty litter, some newspaper as best you can. If it's not fully solidified, that's okay. We can still handle that and process it. We the, we send that down to package it up, send it down to Covana, and we incinerate that, generate steam for electricity. So we try to repurpose it and get in energy uses out of it. And then things like oil-based paint, we actually bulk the oil-based paint, and we send that for a plos, uh, process known as fuels blending. So it's a waste to energy recovery process. Interesting. Huh. Okay. How can residents get rid of waste and protect the environment at the same time? That's something that I know we're constantly talking here on this podcast about um, ways to do that, the ways that we can help make a difference. Yeah, so um, the simple thing is is getting um, you know hazardous waste into the hands of professionals that know how to identify what it is that you have, um, how to either potentially reuse that in some way or properly destroy that in some way. Mm-hmm. And so when you get that to us, that's what we do. We have trained individuals, uh, technicians, and, and, and field chemists who are able to properly chemically segregate that, identify it, package it, and prepare it um, as per all mandatory regular statutes. And then you're doing your part by being responsible and help us keep it out of the environment so it's not coming back again, like we talked about your groundwater into the landfill. And an interesting thing that a lot of residents don't know, in Fairfax County, all of the regular trash is incinerated. It's not just landfill, it's actually incinerated. So it helps us keep it out of that process because we don't want that stuff getting over to our incinerators with hazardous waste. We want to get them and get them streamed out to the correct downstream. So we've got our plastics, our glass. um, uh, We've got our garbage. We've got our newspaper. We've got our cardboard. Um, And that's something that people, I guess, are a bit used to. So what is something that is okay to put down certainly we don't want to be dumping anything into the sewage correct and and into the uh the the stream water outside into our sewers we don't want to be doing that but tell me what is okay to put down the drain okay so yeah so so your drain your septic system um, is a little different Uh, it's kind of your wastewater versus your storm water your storm water is something that's going to discharge directly into the bay so that's the first thing we don't want to pour anything of any type you know down storm water now your your wastewater you know when you think of like flushing your toilet going down your sink that goes for treatment there are a few things that we can uh, pour down in moderation um, things like some 
some household cleaners like bleach, which is like a sodium hypochlorite, uh, ammonia or ammonia solutions, like those uh, products we can. Uh, on our website, I always encourage everyone, we do a really good job of updating uh, our website. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and to keep it simple, I mean, you could even go to a search engine like Google or something like that. Uh, Fairfax County Household Hazardous Waste. It's going to take you right to our web page, and down towards the bottom, we have little tabs. You can collect, uh, click on those tabs, and things like you know what is acceptable to pour down the drain. Um, what do we not accept? Okay. Those different things. You want to get those. It's got a lot of great information. It's very straightforward, uh, and it's going to touch base on some of those things. Okay, so we that's. Uh, it's okay, ammonia-based cleaners, most bathroom cleaners, diluted mixed photographic chemicals, although that's really old school, not too much of that going on, and mm -hmm. some regular old drain cleaners, your Drano and uh, liquid plumber stuff Correct. like that. Um, so, and then let's talk about um, stuff that we really want to avoid putting down our drains. We talk about the fats, oils, and greases. Yep, we, we like, like to that. refer to those as as the fogs, the, fog, the fats, right. oils, and greases. Yep. Um, so your cooking oil, uh, any grease, and, and a good distinction uh, to point out to our residents is that cooking oil is something that's going to stay in a liquid state at normal room temperature. So after it's cooled off. Um, your grease is kind of like bacon and things mm -hmm. like that. It's gonna, it's gonna be like a bacon grease. It's gonna solidify. Um, we want to have residents continue to kind of can the grease, and you can bring that for household hazardous waste drop off when we get rid of that. Your cooking oil, we want you to keep separate. Bring that to household hazardous waste also, and we recycle the cooking oil. The cooking oil we actually uh, can use in several different processes that oh, are really? used in the industry. Uh, industry, yeah, absolutely. Um, we do things. Um, like biodiesel, um, animal feeds, different things like that are all done through the repurposing of cooking oil. Huh. Well, there you go. I've cooked a bunch of bacon. I take my pan. I put it in a, a mason jar or something like that. It's ready to go. And what do I do with that? You're going to bring that right to household house. Okay. You're going to let it cool, keep the top off, let it cool. Um, once that's good and, you, and you've got a full container, you know, go ahead and, and get the cap on there, seal it up tight. There are going to be potentially some kind of grease fatty solids mm -hmm. um, that are going to mix it, and that's okay. Um, you know, but if, if you know general uh, generally that it's going to really kind of turn into like a solid grease, we actually keep them separate. But if they do kind of conjoin, that's okay because when we go through that process, when we send it downstream and it gets recycled, they remove those types of things. And, and so, and obviously that stuff you won't don't want down on the pipes and everything. No, that, 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 that causes a lot of downstream headache right. for the county and taxpayer dollars to try to repair those sep, you know, those septic systems, those stormwater and sewer systems, the sanitary systems. So um, it, it's hard to put an exact value on what that is, but what we know is that it's significant and that if we get it to the source that it's supposed to be, which is us, and we keep it out of the systems and the drains, it saves a lot a lot of cost and expenditure to the county. Great. This is all great information. I, I know that uh, 
um, this is something that we have been talking quite a lot about. Um, hey, one thing just to, to throw out there, you know, don't forget about besides household uh, hazardous waste, you know, we got other great recycling programs, you know, that we really like to push motor oil and antifreeze recycling okay. and uh, our electronics recycling program, you know, right. which is also seven days a week, two permanent facilities, same locations. The transfer station has its own electronics recycling area and the I-95 landfill complex with its own area. And both of those programs, all of those programs actually that I mentioned, are completely free to residents. Solid Waste actually pays the cost out of tipping fees that it generates as, as a, 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 its own revenue generator. We're known as what's called an enterprise fund. So we actually don't use taxpayer dollars. We actually wow. generate our own um, budgets through, through tipping fees. And part of that, we actually cover those costs and make it available free to residents uh, at no cost to you. Uh, so when you say tipping fees, what, what does that mean? So when residents have trash or certain companies that come in and they dispose of trash, um, what we like to call uh, MSW, municipal solid waste, um, we have we have disposal fees for those things. Well, those collected fees support our operations, and of those operational costs, we oh. actually pay the cost of like programs like household hazardous waste and electronics recycling so that it's free to county residents. Okay, so where... You know, I, I know certainly there's old monitors, TVs, mm -hmm. radios, um, printers, faxes, printers, faxes, cell phones, okay, phones. Um, uh, and do you want cables and kind of that yeah, stuff cables too? and we don't wires want that and chargers? Also, Absolutely, right? we want all of that. Okay, and. What happens to all that? Where does that go? So, uh, again, much like household hazardous waste, which has various different processes depending on what the item is on how we treat it. So um, in electronics recycling, um, we have different processes where we try to recover as much as we can. There, So there are precious metals um, inside of many of the electronics, things like gold and silver and different things, although in small quantities. Uh, we try to recover what we can. Um, which is one of our means. Uh, anything that we can repurpose is our is our first priority. So if we can repurpose it, we want to do that. If not, then we try to recover any values that might be there. And then the last resort is that we then dispose of the things that we can't. And so we send that for proper treatment. An example would be um, the old types of TVs, uh, CRTs. CRTs, right? Yep, you cathode ray don't tubes. Want all those uh, those heavy glass and uh, uh, tubes. Yeah, going into the yeah, tubes. and those those cathode ray tubes that that funnel that's inside of those TVs, um, on average has about eight pounds of lead. Wow, per funnel, yeah, it's it's quite significant. And so if you imagine every type of TV that might get dumped out there somewhere, um, it adds up, and that again that makes its way into your groundwater, into the environment. So we want to get that out of there. So we want to recover those. Uh, your newer types of TVs, your plasmas, LEDs, LCDs. Uh, a lot of those um, had fluorescent bulbs uh, have fluorescent bulbs in them, and they contain mercury. Um, and then even your newer TVs, like, uh, as mentioned, the LEDs uh, have about a dozen different toxic heavy metals. Oh wow! Uh, including arsenic and cadmium and, and several others. So uh, those aren't even you know safe. Uh, one of the things we recently expanded on in our program was the collection and recycling of LED bulbs. Okay. Both not just via electronics, but the actual bulbs themselves, in addition to fluorescent bulbs. So we want to get those, like I said, where we can properly treat them and dispose of them. 
And, uh, you know, those are some of the processes there. Um, and, and to touch back a little bit no, with the, the house. And the oil-based plastics that is around everything. That, yes, the, there, there are some, there are some um, toxic uh, elements to some of the plastics, uh, polyvinyls and different things like that, like vinyl chloride and some other hazardous components as well. And, and so do those all get melted down or pro how did that what happens so to that? some of the processes that will also stem off of electronics recycling into household hazardous waste are processes like incineration um, aqueous treatment neutralization um, landfill only is kind of like a last resort we talk about mm -hmm. energy recovery processes well electronics will go through many of those same types of recovery processes there's like a shredding process um, wires and cables will try to recover some of the, the metals there, including like copper and different things like that. And that gets reused in a lot of the different industries if we can't repurpose that item. So I, and this is just my own curiosity. I, I know with uh, with glass and they, they talked about China wasn't taking a lot of stuff and the innovations of trying to find new ways of using the glass or using plastics that other countries weren't taking any yes. longer. Um, how has that affected some of your processes or what are some of the innovations that are coming out of all this stuff that people then bring to the county? Yeah, so I'm glad you brought up glass, uh, actually. Um, the county, we are making a big push right now for glass recycling. Yeah, we, we did a podcast with on, on recycling. Yep. Be and, on and the lookout for the purple container. Yes, yes purple container. Yes. And I, I have some friends kind of give me some odd looks about, about that. But uh, anyway... Um, so what, what are some of the innovations that are coming out, like you just said? So what we're trying to do, glass, um, is we're making a big push to, to collect and recycle glass, um, essentially to use it as like an aggregate mm -hmm. inside of many different projects, including paving projects, building projects, um, for use in, in potential cover materials like at landfills. So there, there's a lot of value and purpose there, and, and Fairfax is really trying to be innovative and lead the way in, in the use and recycling of that. Um, so that's one, plastics. Uh, we try to cover uh, recover as many plastics as possible. Um, a, a common misconception, while many different types of plastics, you have one through seven, are recyclable, there has to be a market for it. Mm -hmm. And so the biggest way to generate a market is to buy repurposed items. Because if you're not buying that, like, for instance, ink and toner cartridges, if you're not buying completely you know, repurposed cartridges, which are just as good as brand new ones, right. then if you can't market it, you can't sell it, people don't want to buy that recycled material. So the marketing and, 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 and the purchasing of those refurbished materials are as if not more important than anything. Okay, well that's a great message to, to get out there is that um, we want residents not just bringing their used materials in to be uh, processed in the right way yes. to get reused and to not get into the environment, but certainly if you keep your eyes out there to purchase items that are made from it from the recycled items is also important is that something that the um 
the producers of these items have on their on their uh, on their labeling and their boxes and, and stuff like that so you would know that what you're using uh, is and recycled. many of them they do um some in some cases they do not um reaching out um to some of the, like the local areas so you'll uh, a lot of things a uh, common question that I'll get is hey Dan why do oftentimes we only take like number 1 and 2 plastics but we have 1 through 7 why not number 5s like your clamshells and stuff mm-hmm. It comes down to the market. Sure. So if we can buy and repurpose those items local to those manufacturers and they have a marketability for it, then they want you to recycle it. They want that item. Okay. But just because, again, it's, it is recyclable doesn't mean it gets recyclable, uh, recycled because there has to be a market. So that's where we kind of have to come together and identify those areas and work with um, those recyclers and manufacturers to buy and use those repurposed materials. Interesting. That's something you you just see the number. On yeah, the and you think you can just recycle that, right. but again, it has to be wanted. If I can't sell it back to you, a manufacturer doesn't want to do it. Sure, interesting. It, yeah, it gets you a little beyond about just looking in the bin and throwing it in, or feeling that you know you're not really helping by just putting a you know something in the right bin. It kind of gives you that uh, at least feeling that something is being done with what you're using and that you know what products are out there that are going to be using what yeah and and another big big uh you know important understanding is that we want clean recycling and what i mean by that is be able to rinse out your bottles um, make mm-hmm. sure that you're not putting trash or the wrong items in there, even if it is potentially recyclable. Because what happens is, let's say in your current market, you're only taking ones and twos. Well, if you're throwing class, you know, type seven plastics in there, that actually causes a lot more labor and lowers the value of what it is we're trying to accomplish okay. and creates uh, a market that really it's not marketable. And that's exactly what happened with China. Um, they were getting very low-grade recycling, contaminated, oftentimes a 25% or more contamination in the recycling. Well, ultimately, China then shifted away so that recycling is done right. So recycling done wrong is worse than no recycling at all. So we want to get it right, and we want to help with consumers you know, to understand you know, proper recycling, clean recycling, and buying refurbishable uh, refurbishable recycling that's how we expand our recycling uh, footprint okay and and again you just mentioned something that we need to get that word out is that the contaminated or wrong recycling going in there um, unfortunately it often does more harm than good sure and because it, it causes more labor or exactly. stuff that's not bought lower grade mm-hmm. lower grade stuff interesting um, it, it just it all sounds like a challenge. Uh, um, uh, and 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 we we hope that the residents are um, have enough incentive to, to, to keep it going. And, and um, so uh, talk to me about batteries. So let's let's talk about batteries. What kind of batteries do people not need to bring in and what kind of batteries do folks have to bring to you? Yeah, great question. This is always something we're constantly trying to educate, you know, our residents about. Um, there was a been a long time misconception. There was a time when alkaline batteries uh, used to contain mercury. 
Uh, that's been so long ago. That's really phased out now. So alkaline uh, batteries are a very dry battery. Um, Which are the um, the double A, triple A. They're your most um, common, okay. and, and it'll say alkaline written right on there. Right. So if you're not sure, um, you know, if you, if you can't find alkaline written on it. Assume worst case scenario, you're going to bring that to mm -hmm. us. But your alkaline batteries, otherwise, if you find that written right on there, they can be trashed. Um, they don't pose a, a major hazard whatsoever, um, and they can be and they naturally biodegrade and break down. Um, any of your other types of batteries often have heavy metals in them or toxic metals. So things like your nickel cadmium, known as NiCad, your nickel metal hydride or NIMH. Uh, your lithium, lithium ion batteries, mercury batteries, silver oxide, basically anything but alkaline. Uh, your lead acid batteries, which are kind of your UPS battery backups, your right. car or motorcycle battery. Okay, so all of so those we just want to them. review some of those so people know what they usually use those. So the lithium ones tend to be the rechargeable. Uh, rechargeable batteries. Your lithium, uh, lithium ion tend to be often used in things like your computers, like mm -hmm. your laptops, uh, in uh, uh, common devices like if you go to Home Depot or Lowe's and you're buying a Ryobi or a Milwaukee, like drills, those types of things. Okay. Um, those generally are what those right. are. Right, your, your, your drills, your power tools, your mm -hmm. lawn tools. Yeah, your um, radios and things tend to be your NICAD, okay. nickel metal hydride, radios, a lot of toys. watches, the little, the little flat circular ones. Yes, those could um, be lithium. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, just so people get a, 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 a in their heads, kind of even if they're not quite sure what they are, but the types of stuff that they're that they're looking to yes, absolutely to do so. Um, and then once you start getting anything bigger than um, something that you're popping in and out of a, a small appliance or a tool, um, and you're looking at phones. Yep, your electronic uh, devices, tablets. Electronic devices, anything bigger than a small appliance that you're um, that you're playing with is probably going to need to be recycled. Certainly, yes. Okay. Now, uh, things that where the battery are encapsulated, like your your phone or your 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 tablet, don't worry about trying to remove the battery from those type of devices. Otherwise, if it is something readily you know, accessible that you can easily remove the batteries. We encourage you and, and prefer that you do that. But again, if it's encapsulated in there, like you have a smartphone or something, don't worry about that. We'll take the entire thing intact. Okay. Um, and what is something that people probably assume gets recycled but actually doesn't? Is there anything like that that or people complain about they wish they could recycle or, um, you know, I know plastic bags is 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 a, is a huge uh, thing. Yeah, plastic bags place. is certainly one. Um, there are some programs, some store programs like Giant um, Food uh, that will do that. Um, the The plastic bags really cause a problem because again, we talked about proper recycling. Well, when that what happens is when it goes through that sorting process, it actually binds up the machine. Clogs up the machine. That's right. why, although it's theoretically recyclable. Again, it contributes to that negative recycling mm -hmm. aspect. So that that is definitely one. Um, styrofoam, styrofoam is another uh, that's one. That's the one I was the big. Okay, say say we're in tune. You, you, uh, it's 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 uh, it does so many things, and it, it, you see it. It's not as ubiquitous as as you as it was before, where it was everywhere. Um, but it's still out there. You open up a new product, and it's in the box, and and. 
what do you is that just trash yeah styrofoam unfortunately at this time is trash um we're still trying to understand some of the, the chemistries we know it, it started as a hydrocarbon based product um uh, which means like an oil-based, mm -hmm. you know, potentially flammable-based product. So in theory, it can break back down to that point, but we haven't got there yet um, to kind of understand that. So that's one. Another common one that I'll get is um, boxes or bags. We, we prefer that you transport household hazardous waste in boxes and containers, not in bags, mm -hmm. um, so that they don't jumble together and spill and, and cross-contaminate. Um, but then I'll get, well, if I have an empty container um, that had pesticide in it, but it's empty now, or um, I, I transported something in my boxes and they're empty, Dan, what should I do with that? Well, empty containers can be discarded in the trash. We can't recycle those because of its last contaminants, mm -hmm. known as, as the last residue. Okay. Um, so we ask that you do trash those, even though that potentially would have been recyclable. Um, we don't want to have that contamination. We want the responsible recycling. So one of my biggest headaches on the planet that I just used to find all over my house was um, juice box wrappers. The worst. They, yes. they end up everywhere. <laughs> yeah, we want that in the Those regular trash. Those with kids will understand juice box yes. wrappers are the – uh, the, the, of the straws or the bane of my existence. Um. <laughs> um, one good thing I would like to help the viewers understand okay. um, is, is a little bit about cylinders or aerosols, compressed gas cylinders or aerosols. Okay. When they are empty, they are still hazardous. There is a compression hazard there. So you may have something as simple as an empty, quote unquote, empty aerosol paint can or a whipped cream can. Okay. They are still uh, uh, regulated uh, as hazards. Canned air that you clean computers Can, and stuff Canned air is another okay. great example. We want you to bring those to us. Don't put them in the trash. They may have uh, a, a, a characteristic hazard, um, but even if it doesn't, for instance, paint, if it's oil-based paint, it's flammable. That's a characteristic. But even if it didn't say you had a whipped cream can, it's still compressed, and so it's regulated differently. So we ask that you bring all your aerosols, even if you think they're empty, or a cylinder like a propane tank, a fire extinguisher. Bring those to us. Let us handle those for you. Okay, and so you want those completely separate than your soda cans, bottles, that is uh, correct. jars, uh, plastics and glass. You want the aerosol cans Separate. They are part of household hazardous waste. So household we absolutely want waste. those separate. Okay. All right. Well, that's great to know. I, um, yeah. It, it, these are all great tips. I, I, I know uh, a lot of people throw their arms up and get a little bit frustrating, but uh, you know it's certainly good for for the environment um, and and so just in generally protection and protecting the employees that have to handle all this stuff too, I imagine. Yes, they go through rigorous training. Um, all employees have to, at a minimum, uh, be RECRA trained, which is Resource Conservation and Recovery Act training. That's uh, an annual uh, DOT, Department of Transportation training, to understand the EPA RECRA regulations, the DOT transportation regulations. Uh, there's OSHA requirements. You have to understand National Fire Protection Association requirements. So there's there's a multitude of different trainings and understandings. And, of course, you know, chemistry and either being a field chemist or having a, a chemistry environmental background to understand what hazards are, are posed and present both to you, the employee, as well as the outside, you know, ramifications wow. of the environment. That's great to know. That's great to know. Um, 
you know, and certainly, as mentioned before, we don't want people dropping medicine down in in the toilet or, or no, anything like no, that. Absolutely not. Um, I know there's a number of um, at a few of the um, police stations, they have some uh, uh, medicine um, return um bins and as well as there are some pharmacies that have medicine return bins we don't want that going down the drain correct and that's a whole nother discussion yeah and, and the police also will accept uh what are known as controlled substances in other mm -hmm. words narcotics schedule one through five and uh, i can help you know with a lot of that and there are some medicines that we do take at household hazardous waste uh, what are known as hazardous waste pharmaceuticals. There are hazardous waste pharmaceuticals and non-hazardous waste pharmaceuticals. The police generally are taking the non-hazardous waste pharmaceuticals, things like aspirin, Tylenol, mm -hmm. um, you know, your your common your your common things. But there are some that actually pose really serious um, hazardous waste concerns. Things like nitroglycerin, nicotine uh, are examples. Um, some other common ones. Uh, uh, may include uh, phenol, phenol like a chloroseptic. Right. So uh, EpiPens, epinephrine. So we can uh, accept some of those. And and if you're not sure, you know, certainly reach out to us. Um, people can reach me via email, at, at daniel.brooks at fairfaxcounty.gov, and I'll be certainly happy to to assist you with any of your questions or concerns. Awesome. So um, lastly, let's talk about what is not accepted. What what do people try to bring in that just cannot come to the I-66 or the Lorton transfer facilities? Um, so we'll often get uh, explosives, uh, which in, can include uh, ammunition, munitions, uh, and there are some take-back um, programs for you know, ammunition. Uh, for those, we'll get potentially sometimes radioactive materials. Really? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, urinal uh, acetate, urinal nitrate, which is a form of uranium. Um, thorium nitrate. Uh, thorium is very radioactive. Radioactive isotopes. The one thing people often have questions on is smoke detectors. Um, those actually are uh, – it has a radioactive isotope, uh, aramecium uh, 241, but uh, it, it's so low in concentration that's declassified. Hmm. So those can go in the regular trash. But uh, fireworks uh, are very common. There are some that we can do. Again, you can call and inquire specifically. But uh, a lot of those uh, regular fireworks can be doused in water and trashed. Um, uh, flares can actually be soaked in trash, except for aerial flares. Mm -hmm. Aerial flares are an explosive type. Um, but uh, those are those are some of the ones. And then there are certain cylinders. Um, and and uh, again, by cylinders, when you think of um, uh, like oxygen, helium, certain right. things like that, carbon the dioxide, big, the ones. big, yeah. You know, so Many I, we take, but there are some that we don't. Okay, so I know you mentioned, so m most residents, there's a good chance, to, hopefully, they have fire extinguishers that maybe they expire, mm -hmm. um, that they... Uh, or used mm -hmm. um, that they need to bring in. Those are okay. Yes. Uh, propane tanks, um, if they're not trading them in, they might have a couple extra um, that they need to bring in. Propane tanks they can bring in. Yes, the, the okay. grill size, which are referred to as 20-pounders, when you think of like your grill, and then there's the one-pounders. Mm -hmm. There is a fee for the 20-pounders, the grill size, okay. um, that you can pay, uh, and then we can accept it household as this way, so provide your receipt. Um, but everything else generally is free. The one-pounders are free, like your torch or camping size. 
Um, fire extinguishers are free. We, we take uh, residential only, uh, but we take um, if you had uh, carbon dioxide, a CO2 cylinder, oxygen, um, helium, different things like that, we do accept. If you get into the some of the larger size, like the home heating, you know, tanks, okay. cylinders, um, you'll have to call because we do have a limitation on some of those, whether we can accept them or not. But anything that we can't accept uh, with any type of waste, we can direct you if it's something that we can't assist with directly, we can get you into the right hands so that you're not left frustrated with, well, what do I do with it? Well, that's great. Yeah, that there's more information. There's more programs that, if stuff that you need to get rid of, there's someone that can take it yes. somewhere, right? So yes. Not and we, and we have web pages on that as well with all up to date content programs, uh, as well as disposal waste vendors and things like that. So, if you got to get rid of something, there's a good way to get rid of it. Yes. A responsible way to get rid of it. Something that helps the county. It helps uh, the environment. Um, certainly don't just blindly throw stuff in, in the garbage. Um, there is a place for it to go. Um, and so some, and then, uh, you've got bigger items that like refrigerators or, um, uh, you know, uh, freezer parts, you know, stuff like mm -hmm. that. There's a place to, for that stuff to go also. Yes. Uh, some of those are known as what's called white goods. So refrigerators, freezers, um, air conditioning units, uh, uh, dehumidifiers, uh, antifreeze. Humidifiers. That's another thing. How, how do you get rid of that? And, and, so antifreeze, um, uh, we have uh, an antifreeze recycling DIY do-it-yourself area. Uh, if you're not sure, you can stop at Household Hazardous Waste, but we have a free recycling for antifreeze um, that you can pour off. We have collection tanks, and we have a vendor who then collects that and uh, recycles it. They, they treat it. And then we repurpose that. So, again, buying used antifreeze. Right. Okay. Huge factor. Um, if that antifreeze is contaminated, however, let's say somehow it got mixed with oil or something like that, don't take that. You New or used is fine mm -hmm. to pour off in the tanks. But contaminated, take it directly to household hazardous waste. Okay. Same That's with motor oil. It has its own collection as well. Freon? Uh, anything that contains Freon, we have a small charge for. As we mentioned, refrigerators, freezers, air conditioning units, things like that. Um, but what we'll do is there's a small charge, and the, that charge is for the Freon recovery. So anything containing refrigerant, we recover, and then we properly recycle that or destroy that. And then that item, once the Freon extraction has occurred, is now scrap metal, and then we scrap that and, and repurpose that metal. Okay. How about the liver and onions my mom used to try to give me? That is the worst thing of all. Um, we treat that very cautiously with gloves and that's masks. Right. I even suit up in full level okay. A to have to deal right. with that. Okay, good. That's that's <laughs> as long as we're on that same page. Um, <laughs> I I could keep just throwing items out here, Dan, but we uh, we're gonna run out of time, um, and we'll probably have well, you. See, back. that just means you have to bring us back. That's right. We'll have to we'll have to talk a little bit more yeah. about it. Um, I, I hope we cleared up some misconceptions on how to dispose a lot of these materials. And so thanks for thanks for taking your time. And oh, it's our pleasure. Today. Again, for more information on this program, you can go to the county website and um, find public works slash recycling dash trash slash household hazardous waste. Um, there's lots of dashes and slashes in there. But if you just Google it, um, you'll be able to find you'll be able to find it. There's actually. Um, it looks like uh, a PDF with a brochure on there that lists all the stuff that 
uh, Dan's group does. Um, so the information is out there. And you can also call 703-324-5068 to get some more information on that also. Again, we've listed a lot of stuff here. Uh, we also talked about it on our previous podcast. Um, and uh, so there are... Um, a lot of ways to answer questions, but go ahead and email. You can call. You can go to the website uh, to get more information on the right way to do this stuff. So um, that's all the time we have. So that's it for this episode of Fairfax County's EnviroPod. If you want to hear more, you can find us at fairfaxcounty.gov slash podcast. Of course, the DPWES website uh, where there's also a little more articles about what we talk about. Uh, we're also on iTunes and on SoundCloud. If you have any questions, comments, or an idea for a topic to be discussed on Virapod, you can email swpdmail, M-A-I-L, you got to spell it out. So that's swpdmail at fairfaxcounty.gov or call 703-324-5821. Once again, thank you so much for joining us, and thanks to my good friend Irene Haskey for making all this happen. Thanks, Irene. That's it for this episode of EnviroPod. I'm Scott Coco. We'll talk to you next time.